All right, let's take our Bibles this morning. Turn with me, if you would, to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Gospel of John, chapter 1. In your Bibles this morning, we're making good progress in our study of the Gospel of John thus far. We've looked at chapter, uh, chapter 1 only in our study, in the first 18 verses, which is uh, normally called the prologue, which really John is just setting the stage. He's making a declaration of who Jesus is. And then the rest of the account is going to prove uh, what, he, what John is announcing or pronouncing to us to indeed be fact. Uh, we've seen very clearly that Jesus Christ is presented as the Word. You remember uh, how we looked at that in those verses on Jesus Christ as the Word, which really means that Jesus Christ, a man, a God-man in human flesh, was God's message to mankind. Jesus Christ was God's message, or God's revelation of himself to mankind. And that's uh, Jesus Christ, and we see him as the Word in our text. We've also learned that while he is the Word, he is the eternal Word. He had no beginning. He had no beginning. We, we all have a beginning. Uh, we had a beginning, a birth date, and Jesus Christ had no beginning. He is eternal. He was, we, we saw in our text that he is the creator of everything. And of course, as it was written in our text, without him was not anything made that was made. And the emphasis is without the word or Jesus Christ, nothing, not even one thing is made. There is nothing without the word, the Lord Jesus Christ. We also saw in our study that the word became a man. He took on human flesh, not wicked flesh. He took on human flesh and uh, its weaknesses, its frailties. He hungered, he thirsted, he mourned, he grieved, he hurt, uh, he bled, he died. So he was absolutely 100% a man. And of course, the announcement in our text is that the word is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's God in human flesh. He's God's Revelation. He's God's communication. He's God's message of himself to us. Yeah, we also saw just last week that the word um, is light, and that the light, that he is light, and that he gives life. The light gives life. Everlasting life, we're going to see. We, we saw in our text that he was rejected by the world. You remember, he came unto his own. He came unto his own, his own creation, the Jewish people, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. They wanted nothing to do with him. And, but then the very next verse, in verse 12, it talks about those who have received him. And while there were many who did not receive the word, the Lord Jesus Christ, there are also many who did receive the word. And of course, ultimately, the message from that prologue, those first 18 verses, is this. The Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is God's revelation of Himself. If you want to know God, if you want to know who God is, you need to look at the Word, His revelation, the revelation of Himself. You need to understand and know who the Word is, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you know Him, you will know who God is. Now, look at our text now, John chapter 1. I'm going to skip down to verse number 29. And I'm going to read verses 29 through 34 in our text here this morning. John chapter 1, look with me if you would at verse 29. I'll read down through verse 34. 
It says, the next day, John seeth Jesus coming, and John here would be John the Baptist, so not the man who penned down the book of John, that's, that's the Apostle John, but this is John the Baptist in verse 29. The next day, John the Baptist seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, or look and see, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, John says, I didn't know who he was, but that he should be made manifest to Israel, therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. Talking about when Jesus was baptized. And John says, And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with or by the Holy Ghost. John the Baptist says, And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us to see Jesus Christ as you want us to see him. Father, not just a baby. Uh, Father, not, not just high and lifted up, but as the creator and the eternal God of the universe who came to this earth and lived a sinless life and did miracles and mighty wonders so that we might know that you are God and that he is God, and that we might believe upon his name and have eternal life. Lord, thank you for sending your son to die in our place to save us from our sins. Help us, I pray, as we look at your word this morning. And Father, I pray that we, like John the Baptist, would point people to the Lord Jesus Christ and not draw people to ourselves. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, we're in chapter 1. We're working our way through this wonderful presentation uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's really what the Gospel of John is. It's a presentation of Jesus Christ. Now, remember, do you remember what John's motive was or what his goal was uh, for penning down the Gospel of John? You remember it was quite simple. His purpose was to present evidence uh, so that people would receive the evidence so that they would believe that Jesus Christ was in fact the Messiah, that he was the Christ, that he was and is God, and that is his purpose. He wants, John wanted people, he was burdened for people to believe that Jesus Christ is God, and, and so he gives testimonies. He presents to us testimonies, those, of, those people who saw the Word in human flesh, and they saw him do miracles, and they saw God work through him. And John is presenting these facts and these proofs that Jesus is the Messiah, also that we will believe upon his name and have everlasting life. Remember in John 20, in verse 30 and 31, it says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life, through his name. That's the goal. That's the goal of this this account of the gospel. And so, in our study of the book of John, we're going to be looking at a part of Jesus' life, and not today, but we're going to be, as we work our way through the gospel here, 
Uh, we're going to be looking at a part of Jesus' life uh, where he was presenting himself to the public. Now, up to this point, and John doesn't record for us the baptism, uh, his baptizing of Jesus. He, he refers to it, but he doesn't, he doesn't give the account like the other accounts of the Gospels do. He also doesn't record for us Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. John doesn't record that either. But we're coming to a part in Jesus' life, he's about 30 years old, okay, where, where John picks up at this point in his life. And as uh, a man that I do a Bible study with every week, he's not been saved that long, he asked me a few months ago, he said, why is it that the Bible doesn't have a lot to say about Jesus during this, all of this period of his life? It talks about his birth, and then there's hardly anything said at all until... Uh, he starts his earthly ministry, and that was very observant of that new believer in the Lord. Uh, there isn't much said about him, and, and yet there's, a, there's one thing that is said about him. When Jesus was baptized, the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And that's a summary of not only his willingness to identify with mankind in water baptism and coming to earth to die for the sins of the world, but it was also in reference to his whole life up to that point, 30 years. That's a pretty great statement. It'd be great if a father could look at his children and say, this is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. Uh, the way he's lived 30 years of his life and everything that he's ever done, he's pleased me to the fullest. Wow, quite a statement. And God the Father made that about his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus is at a point in his ministry where he's about to present himself to the people. Up to this period of time, he's been residing in Nazareth. He's been honoring his parents. He's been working a trade. Uh, he's been honoring his father, his heavenly father. This is what Jesus has been doing. A, a lot of things that most of us, uh, we have to do as well. We ought to be doing as well. Being diligent and honest in our daily living. Sometimes we look at those things as mundane, not as important as when we serve the Lord. And yet this is what Jesus did for most of his life here on earth. That's important. It puts some emphasis on some of the smaller details of our lives. And so now he comes, he's 30 years of age, Jesus is, and he's about to present himself to the world as God. He's going to begin to do miracles. He's going to begin to reveal who he truly is. And as we've already read in the prologue, it, light has come into the world. And Romans speaks about this as well. But people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds are evil. And, and there, there's going to be a conflict. And we're going to get to that as we work our way through the Gospel of John. But in our passage this morning, Jesus is beginning to reveal himself and he, in our passage, we're going to look at a man, a very special man that God used to reveal, or to identify, I should say, Jesus for who he was. Up to this point, Jesus has kind of been, I can say it this way, flying under the radar. In fact, it's interesting, and I already read it to you, but John the Baptist, who was Jesus' second cousin, didn't even know that he was the Messiah. That's pretty amazing. He hadn't identified his second cousin as the Messiah yet. Um, we might think if there were any perfect children among us that we would be able to identify them. 
Uh, we would think that. But John hadn't identified Jesus. He was his second cousin, uh, but he hadn't identified Jesus as the Messiah yet. But John has been chosen, John the Baptist has been chosen by God to identify the promised Messiah of Israel. And John had been chosen, handpicked by God, to point the people, the Jewish people, to the Messiah. Point people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, John the Baptist was just only, he was just six months older than Jesus. And again, they were related in, as, as men. But I want to notice uh, of one thing about John the Baptist this morning. Okay? And it's very practical. Uh, there is application for you and for me, but there is wonderful revelation in the passage we're going to see this morning. I, I want you to see that John the Baptist was a faithful uh, witness of Jesus Christ. He had a faithful, he was faithful in his testimony to who Jesus Christ really was. Now, uh, we've already been briefly introduced to John the Baptist. I haven't taken any time with him at all up to this morning. But, but who is John the Baptist? And we ought to start there. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 4, uh, Jesus identified John, and he said, in the same John, or, or I should say this, Matthew identifies John, and the same John had his raiment, his clothing, what did John wear? This tells us a little bit about him. He wore camel's hair for his clothing. Any camel, camel hair suits here today? I don't think so. Or camel hair sweaters? No, we don't have any of that. It was, camel's hair was not common in Jerusalem, but it would have been common amongst the nomadic people. So um, I, I don't need to make light of it. It's what he wore, okay? But the religious people would not have worn this. And so he wore a raiment of camel's hair, and then it goes on, and a leathern girdle, which was a wide leather belt about his loins, and his meat, what did he eat? He ate locusts and wild honey. That's what John the Baptist ate. He wore camel's hair, a big leather belt, doesn't say anything about a buckle, and he ate locusts and wild honey. That's, that's what he ate. In Matthew chapter 11, in verse 11, Jesus said this of John. He said, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, that's pretty much everybody, right? Among them that are born of women, there hath not, uh, not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Was he a pretty good guy, a pretty great guy? What do you think? Yes or no? Yes, he was. If Jesus looks at John the Baptist and says, among all those who are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist pretty amazing statement by the Lord Jesus Christ about John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist didn't have an ordinary beginning. You might remember this in the Gospel of Luke. You can read about this. His mother was Elizabeth, and she was of the tribe of Levi. His father also, his name was Zacharias, and uh, they were barren. Now, Zacharias was a priest. So John the Baptist came through uh, a lineage of the tribe of Levi, and he was a priest, and he was also a prophet, okay? And, and he had been prophesying for some time. Now, this is interesting, because Jesus doesn't start his earthly ministry till he's about 30, till he's 30. John the Baptist had started earlier than that, and was quite popular amongst the people. Uh, the ruling class, Herod, had gotten together with him on two occasions. So you know, John the Baptist was on the radar of, of politicians. He was on the radar of 
of the religious leaders of his day, and we're going to see that very clearly in our text, the Sanhedrin, the, the religious ruling council of the Jews, knew who John the Baptist was. Uh, he was popular in some ways amongst the people, and others hated him, okay? Uh, but his parents, Elizabeth and Zacharias, were, were barren. They couldn't have any children, and then God gave them the ability to conceive. They, they were older in life, and God gave them the supernatural ability to conceive John. John the Baptist was not just an ordinary man. As I mentioned, he was priest, from a priestly family. That would have given him extra credibility amongst the people, because the priests, the religious, the priests who would have served in the temple, they were revered by Jews. They were honored and respected throughout the land of Israel. He was also a prophet, and I'll say this, he was the only prophet in Israel at this time. Now, Jesus was going to prophesy as well, but he was the only prophet in Israel at this time, and there hadn't been a prophet for how many years? For 400 years there hadn't been a prophet in Israel. So this was unusual. John the Baptist was an unusual character, and he was doing unusual things, things that hadn't been done in many, many years, hundreds of years. Now, there's a few things we need to understand, I think, about John the Baptist. Uh, God himself had chosen John the Baptist for a specific task. God had, God had commissioned John the Baptist. Look with me at verse number 6. Verse number 6 of chapter 1. It says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. So God himself chose John and commissioned John. And we see that in verse 6. Look, look with me, if you would, to verse 15. What was John the Baptist's objective? What was his goal? What was his mission? Look at verse number 15. And John bear witness of him. The word. He bear witness of the word. And he cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me. He was born, Jesus was born six months after John the Baptist was born. And John says, He that cometh after me is preferred before me. For he was before me. <laughs> How could Jesus be born six months after John physically, but be before, but exist before John? Well, he could exist before John because, as we've already seen from the passage in our study of the book of John, the Word is eternal. He had no beginning. <laughs> Jesus Christ always existed, but he was born in human flesh six months after John. But you see the objective of John the Baptist at the beginning of verse 15. John bear witness of Jesus Christ. Uh, you see, John's objective was to bear witness when the light entered into the darkness. The light of the world is Jesus. We sing it. John the Baptist's objective was to identify, and this was a God-given ob objective. John the Baptist's role was to identify that's the Messiah when the Messiah came into the world. Okay, look with me. Uh, let's see here. Look with me down uh, to verses 7 and 8. And you see his, his goal here was to, to bear witness of the light. light. Look at verses 7 and 8. The, came, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He, John the Baptist, was not that light. See the capital L there referring to Jesus Christ? John the Baptist was not that light, 
but he was sent to bear witness of that light. So John was commissioned by Jesus Christ, by God, uh, to, to identify the Messiah, the light of the world, when he came into the world, and he was to bear witness of the light. He was to identify Jesus Christ as God. And, and I, I can't help but noticing in the passage, John the Baptist was, a, was very faithful in what God had called him to do. He gave a sure testimony. He was a good witness. You know, you and I are called to be witnesses in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses, Jesus said, unto me, unto the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I have been called to be witnesses. Uh, what, what, is, what does it mean to be a witness? Well, to be a credible witness, that individual needs to have seen the event with their own eyes. A witness doesn't talk about himself. A witness doesn't exalt himself or herself. The witness speaks of what he has observed. In a court of law, the witness is asked to take the stand and to take an oath, and he is asked to testify uh, to that which he has seen with his eyes. A witness, sometimes, maybe you've been asked, maybe you were a witness to an accident. You saw someone run a red light and hit someone else. You witnessed that event. You're a witness. You didn't necessarily participate in it. I guess you could have witnessed it and you were in the middle of it, too. But, but it's possible for someone not to be the light, uh, and not to be the darkness, but to witness the light coming into the darkness. And Jesus was witnessed by John the Baptist. Jesus was the Word, and John the Baptist was a witness to the fact that Jesus was God in human flesh. And the purpose of John the Baptist's ministry was to direct attention, uh, the, the attention of mankind, not to himself, but to the light. A true witness of Jesus Christ directs the attention to the Lord Jesus Christ and not to himself. We all like to be liked. We all like to be revered. We all like to be honored. We like when people think a lot of us. But that was not John the Baptist's role. Now, some people thought a lot of John the Baptist. Some people thought very little of John the Baptist. John the Baptist's role was not to exalt himself. And, and, and I'll not spend much time on this, but as witnesses of what Jesus Christ has done in our lives, our responsibilities as witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ is to point people to Jesus Christ and not to ourselves. If, if God has given, given you great wisdom and great knowledge, you, as a father, as a mother, ought to point your children to the Lord Jesus Christ, not to yourself. We ought to point our neighbors to the Lord Jesus Christ and not ourselves. Uh, we, we've all been called to be witnesses we ought to point people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in, in verse 19, and we'll not read it just yet, but John the Baptist is repeatedly, he's repeatedly questioned by religious, a, a religious delegation of Pharisees. They were probably sent to John the Baptist by the Sanhedrin, which would have been the, uh, the religious ruling council, and they would have been Jews, and they were very religious, very conservative, by the way. Um, 
but they were also very arrogant and very proud. Look with me at verse number 19 of our text. John chapter 1, verse number 19. And I'm going to read down through verse number 28. It says in verse 19, And this is the record of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ, I'm not the Messiah. And they asked him, Well, well what then? Art thou Elias? Are, are you Elijah? And he saith, I am not. They ask again, Art thou that prophet? Referring to a prophecy in Deuteronomy. And he answered, No. And then said they unto him, Who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. Now, I'm going to stop there for now. But did you notice the questions that John the Baptist has asked? Did you notice there were several questions in the text? And John the Baptist also gave very, very faithful answers. He gave right biblical answers. And one of the things we're going to see as we look at this passage that I think is amazing, as John is being questioned by the, the delegation sent to him by the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, these Pharisees are sent to John the Baptist. They're questioning, and in some cases, kind of badgering John the Baptist. And John's given these answers, and he's saying, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not. I'm not Elijah. Uh, I'm not that prophet that you're referring to. And they say, well, who are you? And we're going to see in our text, while he's answering these questions, there's someone standing among the delegation of religious Pharisees. And that one is the Lord Jesus Christ. And, 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 and we're going to notice this, and I want you to grasp this. While John the Baptist was being a faithful witness of who Jesus was, Jesus Christ himself was witnessing John's testimony for him. And you know what? That's true for you and for me. Every single one of us in this room, every day of our lives, whether we're going to bed or we're getting up in the morning or we're in the workplace or we're working with our children or we're disciplining or encouraging or we're playing or whatever we're doing, whoever we're interacting with, you and I are called to be witnesses We've been commissioned by God to point people to the Lord Jesus Christ, and there is not a single place we can go or a single person we can interact with where the one who has commissioned us to point people to himself is not right there watching us be a witness for him. Notice the first question of John's testimony in verse number 19, the latter part. They asked John the Baptist, who art thou? And I could ask you, who are you? Who are you? What would you answer? That's kind of a, seems like a little vague question. Who are you anyway? Uh, what would your answer be? Well, John's preaching, let me just say this, had touched a chord. It struck a chord amongst Israel, in the land of Israel during this time. Not even the dead, religious, hypocritical Sanhedrin and the Pharisees had avoided John's message. It had their attention as well. And in fact, John the Baptist's preaching had renewed hope for the Messiah. There was like a buzz around Israel, and John the Baptist was the one creating the stir. There was a renewed hope 
that God, Jehovah, would send a Messiah, a deliverer to Israel. And, and, and for some time, that hope had been lost. John the Baptist is preaching, repent! Repent! The kingdom of the Lord is at hand! And uh, there was a stir. He's baptizing people. And, and we'll talk about that a little bit more as we go along. But he's renewing this hope and desire for the coming of the Messiah on the part of the Jewish people. And John's preaching had made the people of Israel begin to long for the Messiah's coming. John the Baptist had been preaching for a considerable period of time. In fact, and I mentioned this, even Herod had interest in John the Baptist and had taken time to have at least two different conversations with John the Baptist. Um, it seems like some within the Sanhedrin were speculating as to whether or not John the Baptist was the Messiah himself. Is this the Messiah? Is John the Baptist the Messiah? I think some of them were wondering that as well. And so the delegation asked John the Baptist, who are, who are you? That's what they asked him. And John the Baptist denies that he is the Messiah in our passage. You see that in verse number 20. Look there. It says, and he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ, Christos. Um, and that is a name, a New Testament name, for the promised one of the Old Testament, the Messiah. And John the Baptist denies. He says, I'm not the Christ. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the anointed one. He also denied that he was the prophet Elijah. Look at verse number 21, the beginning part. And they asked him, what then? Art thou Elias? Which is uh, our Greek language for um, Elijah. Are you Elijah? Are you Elijah? Come back to us. It was, com it was a common belief in Jesus' day that Elijah was going to appear before the Messiah came. And their thinking was based upon Malachi chapter 4 where it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And so there were many religious Jews who were speculating, well, if he's not the, John the Baptist is not the Messiah, he must be Elijah in fulfillment of Malachi. Uh, notice John's third denial in verse 21. Now, their question again is, who are you? In verse number 21, the latter part, he denies that he is that prophet. Do you see it there? And, uh, and he said, I am not. And then they say, art, art, art thou that prophet? And he answered, no. And it's interesting that each one of his answers get more succinct. <laughs> uh, each one of them gets shorter. I mean, they're missing the mark. They don't know who he is. They don't know who the Messiah is. They think he might be Elijah. And uh, by the way, the Sanhedrin sending these Pharisees to John the Baptist, this was a political move. This was not with searching hearts. This was not with sincere hearts uh, longing for the truth. This was with the critical, they were analytical, but it was also political. It was maneuvering, positioning. Because absolutely, John the Baptist was drawing and not intentionally, but people were following him. And, uh, and, and they looked at John the Baptist to some degree as a threat to their leadership. And so he denies that he's that prophet. And I think this question, that prophet, was in reference to Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 15, 
where Moses had said, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. And I believe that's a reference to the Messiah. That was a messianic prophecy. Not a reference to John the Baptist, but a reference to the Messiah. And so, all that to say this, this delegation comes to John the Baptist and they ask him, Who are you anyway? And I notice a couple things about a faithful witness from John the Baptist's answers. Um, A faithful witness always tells the truth. You know, it's impossible to be a faithful witness and not speak the truth. Not speak the truth. And John the Baptist very simply spoke the truth. Always tell the truth. I'm going to ask a question. I already know the answer to it. Do you always, do you always tell the truth? We, we should always tell the truth. A faithful witness always speaks the truth. They don't have to paint a little bit here, manipulate words here to lead someone to a certain understanding or not an understanding of a situation That's dishonest. It's disingenuous. Listen, you and I cannot be faithful witnesses, and it would have been impossible for John the Baptist to be a faithful witness of the Lord Jesus Christ, the light of the world, the Word made human flesh, God in human flesh. It would have been impossible for John the Baptist to be a witness to Jesus Christ if he hadn't been willing to tell the truth. Tell the truth. You know, I think in some ways... When this delegation came to John, this entourage came to John the Baptist, a man could have been lifted up with pride. But John the Baptist knew who he was. And, and, and notice that brings us to verse 22. They ask him another question. Look at verse number 22. Then said they unto him, Who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? And so the entourage looks at John the Baptist, and basically they're saying, okay, if you're not the Messiah, if you're not Elijah, and if you're not that prophet, we got to go back and tell our bosses who you are. So, so what sayest thou of thyself? How would you describe yourself is now their question. So the first question for you and for me is, is, is who are you anyway? Do you know who you are? And then the second question is, well, how would you describe yourself? And so they, they want to know who John the Baptist was. And so if, if he wasn't the Messiah, or if he wasn't Elijah, if he wasn't that prophet, they say, well, then who are you? After all, they've been sent to find out who John the Baptist was. And John the Baptist answers their question in verse number 23. Look in verse 23. He says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Now that's a quote, he's about to quote from Isaiah chapter 40. Look at verse 23 here, he says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. He quotes directly from Isaiah chapter 40 in verse number 3, where it says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And in and John is, he's not playing games with the, this group of Pharisees. He's answering their question. John the Baptist was sent by God to prepare the way for Jehovah 
to reveal himself to mankind through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in those days, the roads were few and far between. There were roads, but they weren't nearly as plentiful as they are today. And often the travel, even on some of the roads, would have been rough. And if a king were to travel, the road would have needed to have been built so the king's chariot wouldn't get bogged down in the marshes or uh, wouldn't, uh, the king wouldn't face unusually rough roads. And John the Baptist was preparing the way for the Lord Jesus Christ. John the Baptist was Jesus' herald. He was his messenger. He was his forerunner. He came before him to present him, to lay down the road work for him. John the Baptist was not the word. He himself, John the Baptist, was not the revelation of God in human flesh. John the Baptist was not the life. No one could be saved merely by following John the Baptist. He was not the light of the world, though he preached the light. He was not the light of the world himself. And John the Baptist was not the Messiah. But he tells us here in verse number 23 of himself, John says, when they ask him, uh, well, describe yourself to us, he says, I'm the voice. That's all I am. I'm just the voice. That's what he says in verse 23, pointing people to the Messiah. I'm just the voice. That's all I am. What a wonderful privilege it is to be a voice for the Lord. What a wonderful privilege it is to be able to speak the truth of God to people. What a wonderful, what a wonderful blessing and privilege it is for me to be able to preach the word of God or for each one of us to be able to speak the truth to our children, to our grandchildren, and maybe if God blesses you with a life long enough to your great-grandchildren or to your neighbors or to your friends and those you love and you care for. What a wonderful blessing and what a wonderful privilege. Look at verse number 26. Verse number 26, the latter part. In verse 26, John answered them saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. And I mentioned this earlier. They asked him, how would you describe yourself? And he says, I'm just a voice. I'm not the light, I'm not the Messiah, I'm not the word, I'm not the life. I'm just a voice. I'm just a spokesman. But there's someone standing in your midst. And you don't know who he is. You know, it seems as though Jesus Christ was standing amongst the people and he was listening to the questions the entourage were asking John the Baptist and he was listening to the answers that John the Baptist was giving to these men. And again, I'm reminded that every day that you and I live, Christ observes our testimony for him. He observes and he listens to the words that come out of our mouths. You know, sometimes as we're interacting with our spouse, those, the person who is closest to us, oftentimes those that are closest to us get to see the worst of us. You know what I mean? You don't know what I mean? Okay, you do what I know what I mean. All right. But you know that you and I, even in, in those relationships with those people who are closest to us, we still have a responsibility to bear witness of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done in our lives to those who are closest to us. 
how's our testimony? I mean, we, if, on, sometimes we've done this for several years. On, we've taken the month of August, and on Wednesday nights, we have a, a group of people who stay and pray, and another group of people go out and knock on doors and invite people to church and interact with our community a little bit, and we call it evangelistic outreach. We can call it that. Um, and we might get ourselves dressed up for that because we're going to go out and we're going to be a testimony for the Lord for that. But what about amongst the congregation of believers? How's our testimony there? How's our testimony in our homes with our children? How's our testimony with those that are closest to us? How would you describe yourself? If I were to ask you the question, how would you describe, what, what sayest thou of thyself? Tell me about yourself. What would you say to me? Well, we could, we could, knowing the word of God as believers, we could say, well, I'm a child of God. I'm one of God's children. I'm forgiven of all my sins. I'm just telling you about myself. I, I can tell you that I'm in Christ and that he is in me. I can, I, let me tell you about myself. I'm a new creation. I, I can tell you that I don't deserve it, but I'm loved by God. He loves me. He's a lover of my soul, and I love him. I can tell you that sometimes I'm chastened because I'm one of his children. Who art thou? Tell me about yourself. Who are you, really? Well, I'm a witness. And they might say, well, what are you a witness of? What have you seen? And I could say, I can tell you what I've seen. I've, I've seen God change my heart and change my life. I used to love darkness. I used to love darkness. I was addicted to darkness. And the Bible description of that is you are enslaved you were enslaved to darkness you had no choice that was your choice and yet now i love the light i love the light i love the word of god oh i like other things too i enjoy life to the fullest but you know what i like those things but i love the light just telling you a little bit about myself and john the baptist is asked what sayest thou of thyself and his response, again, was very honest and very forthright. And he knew who he was. And he says, I'm not the Messiah, and I'm not these other things, but I am the voice preparing the way for the Messiah. Third truth this morning, and we'll be done. They ask him a third question. Why baptizest thou then? Why are you baptizing, is what they ask him. Look at verse number 25. Verse 25. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ? You're not the Messiah. If you're not Elijah, if you're not that prophet, why are you baptizing people? Um, there were some, and I don't know that it was very popular in John the Baptist's time. Um, historians aren't exactly sure about what they called proselyte baptism, where Gentiles would, would be baptized in water to then begin following the Jewish religion. Um, that has happened, and it happened, it's happened in history. I don't know that it was very popular in John the Baptist's time, but John the Baptist wasn't baptizing Gentiles. He was baptizing Jews. And John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. In other words, John's baptism was an acknowledgement of sinfulness. John's baptism was, I want to ready myself for the coming of the Messiah. And he is coming. And so 
I'm going to repent of my sin. And I'm going to acknowledge my sinfulness. And it was symbolic of, and, and it was by immersion. They would go down into a deep pool, and they would be baptized in water, immersed in water, and come up out of the water again. And it was a symbolism of the forsaking of an old way of life and an embracing of a new way of life, righteousness, all in preparation for the coming of the Messiah. Now, this third, this third question that this religious contingent, this entourage, it shows that they're quite perplexed. If you don't have the authority of the Messiah, if you don't have the authority of Elijah, if you're not, you don't even have the authority of that prophet, who they don't name, and I'm not sure they knew who that, what that prophecy was about in Deuteronomy, then what gives you the right to be baptizing people? And see, this is really what the entourage was after, and this is really what the Sanhedrin would have been after, because they wanted control. And they didn't want people running around doing their own thing and leading people away from their authority. And John the Baptist was doing that. I don't know that it was intentional, but it was happening. And so, if you're not the Messiah, if you're not, you know, the authority of Elijah or the prophet, why do you think you have the right to baptize? And John basically tells the religious contingent that he's baptizing people based upon the authority of God. They say, why are you baptizing? He says, well, I'm doing it in short because God has told me to do it. Look, look again at verse number 26. I'm going to read down through verse 28. Verse 26. John answering them said, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. And that was one of John's proclamations. The Messiah is here. I don't think it was that quiet. The Messiah is here. And notice that's his message. He's here. And his audience is this religious audience, this religious Sanhedrin, uh, uh, representation of the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees. And he says he's here. And look at verse 27. He it is who cometh, who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. It shows John's humility. Verse 28. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. Look down to verse 31. Verse 31, and I knew him not, John says, John the Baptist says, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. Why was John the Baptist baptizing people? Well, baptism was emblematic of washing away sins and entering into a new life. John's baptism, again, was a baptism of repentance. And this would have made the religious leaders very angry and even indignant, I can say, because they didn't think they needed to repent for anything. It's interesting, and we don't have time this morning to look at it. The religious leaders didn't think they needed to repent, or they needed John's baptism, a baptism of repentance. The sinners those who acknowledged their, that they did sin, they would follow John in his baptism. And Jesus Christ also was baptized by John. You remember what John told Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew? Uh, he said, I, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. And, and Jesus says, suffer it to be so. And the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And what was that? It was Jesus honoring the will of his Father, his love for mankind, coming to this earth, 
Did, did Jesus need to be baptized by John? No. Had Jesus ever sinned? No. Jesus was identifying with mankind. That's all he was doing. He was just identifying with mankind. He was not admitting that he was a sinner, but he was identifying with sinners. Why? Because he was going to go to the cross. Not because he needed to go to the cross. Not because he was guilty and had to go to the cross to pay for any sins, but because he was willing to identify with sinners. And ultimately, on the cross, he became our sin so that we could become his righteousness and we call that an exchange i'm going to make a trade with you mark i'm going to give you something you're going to give me something well, jesus exchanged something he gave us his righteousness and we gave him our sinfulness all of it and his baptism by the way was a foretelling or a picture of what he was going to do on the cross later on it also revealed his identity to John the Baptist. So Jesus didn't have anything to repent for, but he humbly allowed himself to be baptized to identify with mankind. People, people were following John in baptism. They were repenting of their sins in preparation for the Messiah's coming. Well, the Messiah had come. And God chose the time of Christ's announcement to be near the Passover feast. This is interesting. The Passover was done every year, do you remember, to, to commemorate when God Almighty had delivered the nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And do you remember that, that, that uh, judgment of God that God gave? Do you remember the plagues of Israel? The final one, the death angel, was going to pass through all of, Israel, all of Egypt. And God had told his people... Take a lamb and slay the lamb. And take the blood of that lamb and dip hyssop in the blood, which is kind of like a bush, okay? Dip it, the hyssop in, in the blood and put it on the doorpost and on the lintel. And you'll be delivered. Your firstborn will not die. You remember the death angel came through Egypt that night, and there was wailing all throughout the land of Egypt, including Pharaoh's house. But there were none in the houses of the Israelites who died, because they had by faith applied the blood of a lamb to the doorpost. Hundreds of years have passed when this happens, and God chooses to reveal himself to mankind. The light of the world had come into the world around the time of the Passover. John the Baptist had the Passover, I think, in mind as he made the announcement. John proclaims that the Lamb of God has arrived to take away the sins of the world. Look at verses 29 and 30. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, and, 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 and I, I don't want to stop here, but seeth, when he says seeth, the verbiage there has the idea of John stops, and he looks at Jesus Christ with a penetrating look. And then he says, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. This was about around the time of the Passover. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. This is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. 
No, John even introduced Jesus as the lamb, not another lamb. Not a lamb that could only take away sin or only cover, I say, sin. This was not, Jesus was the lamb of God that taketh away sin. That taketh it away, away from us, off of our account. In his announcement, there was also a problem, though. He makes this proclamation that this is the Lamb of God, but there had been a problem for John the Baptist because even though John the Baptist had been commissioned by God to announce the coming Messiah to Israel, John didn't know who the Messiah was. Look at verse 31. It says, John speaks, he says, And I knew him not. And John's saying there was a time when I didn't know who the Messiah was yet. I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. I knew God was going to reveal him, but I didn't know him yet at that point in time. He's referring to before Jesus was baptized. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. It's very interesting. John has this problem, and it had been solved about six weeks earlier when Jesus had been baptized by John and God had revealed Jesus to be the Messiah. It's also interesting to me that John the Baptist obeyed God's command to begin baptizing people with water before he knew who the Messiah was. He was acting by faith. Look at verses 32 and 34, because the problem is solved. Look at verses 32 through 34. Verse 32, it says, And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. And notice he says, He saw the Spirit descending like a dove. It doesn't say the Spirit was a dove. And it, the Spirit, abode on, upon him. And that is, has the idea of he came upon him never to leave again. Verse 33, And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize. He says, I didn't know who this, that Jesus was the Messiah yet, but he that sent me to baptize, that would be God, with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. So this is the one who will save mankind. Verse 34, And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. This is the, this is the Messiah. This is God in human flesh. And so their third question was, Why are you doing what you're doing? Who are you? What would you say about yourself? Why do you do what you do? That's what they ask. Why do you live the way that you do? Why don't you go where you, why don't you go to those places anymore? Why don't you watch those things? Why, why do you only listen to this? Why, why are you training up your kids this way? Why do you do what you do? For them, he, they asked John the Baptist a very specific question. Why are you baptizing? Why do you do what you do? And I ask us all this, this question this morning, what kind of a witness are you? Are you a witness? Have you ever, have you ever experienced the salvation of Almighty God in your life? Have you experienced his salvation from darkness unto light? And if so, how would you answer these questions? Who are you? What are you doing? How would you describe yourself? And why do you do what you do? You see, a faithful witness lives out the truth. And I, I mentioned it just briefly there, but John the Baptist 
was able to identify Jesus Christ as the Messiah only after he had already begun doing what God had commanded him to do. God didn't identify the Messiah for John the Baptist, and then he started baptizing. He had already begun obeying the word and the command of God in his life. And then God blessed him. And as he was doing the will of God, God pointed out the Messiah to John the Baptist. Now, we're going to stop there this morning. If you continue to read on, if you want to read ahead, the rest of the chapter is about the fruit that God blessed John the Baptist with. And Jesus is going to call out five of his apostles. Okay, in the, in the end of chapter 1. Now, I, as, as we close, I want to make a couple of comments, and we'll be done. John the Baptist was not looking to start a movement, okay? He wasn't looking to start a movement. He wasn't exalting himself. What was John the Baptist doing? A faithful witness just points other people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that wherever you work, in your family, in your marriage, uh, at school, you are you a witness of Jesus Christ and the, his power in your life? And if you are, you sh- we shouldn't be so caught up in, do they like me? What do they think of me? But we ought to be caught up in, there's someone you need to know about. There's someone you need to know about. He's God, and he's come, and he's died, and he saved us from our sin. And he saved me, and he can save you too. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed.